0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Mike Renner joins to preview combine workout warriors. Now, uh, workout warriors or combine freaks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they, we, it's been an evolution over the past, let's say 15 years. Cause it used to be, uh, don't take the workout warrior. Cause there were a bunch of guys in the nineties who were branded that and then they busted. Well, you know what? There were a lot of guys who tested really, really, really well. And they were absolute athletic marvels and they had, Hall of Fame careers, and then a couple of random guys from the Midwest were the quote-unquote workout warriors, and they busted, and that became a bad thing. Uh, athleticism is never a bad thing. I have done a couple of 180s, I guess, to, to channel Macho Man, a 180, 360, 180 again, 90 degrees, whatever, um, on what matters at the Combine. Most of the board is based off of game, film, Senior bowl, meeting, all-star games, then meetings. And that that happens this week, too. Workouts, pro days matter, of course, as well. But I think for most positions, you're looking for athleticism to eliminate positions, uh, eliminate players, instead of confirming that this guy is a first or second round pick. Here's what I mean by that. Like, if a guy is an edge rusher and he's unathletic, you cannot seriously take him. You can't do it. It is, it is malpractice, like really unathletic. And that was the one thing that I think that teams have started to realize over the past, let's say, decade. Like a great example, like Jarvis Jones, uh, who was not an athlete coming out of Georgia. I mean, listen, relatively speaking, great athlete, you know, he could kick my ass and literally everything including the things I'm allegedly good at. Jarvis Jones kicked my ass, but compared to a bunch of other linebackers in the NFL, he was not as athletic. Um, The Steelers took him, I think 17th overall. And then the next five years, all they did was take really athletic guys because they were like never again. And I think that's, you kind of learn your lesson in what happens when you take unathletic guys. But, I think that there's a couple positions where you just need to cross the threshold. I don't think – so I've, I've had a complete 180 on this. And I, again, I talked to Renner about this a little bit later. I no longer care about athleticism from offensive line. I do not care because I was all into Andre Dillard. And guess what? He was terrible. Jason Spriggs, he was terrible. All of these guys because we were all into their, their metrics. Guess what? They couldn't move guys, which is the number one requisite of being an offensive lineman. Wide receivers, I love – these high jumping guys. Well, guess what? Like Miles Boykin, what's he doing right now? Exactly. Guys like that. So for me, athleticism at most positions is just confirming what you see on the tape. Um, if a guy, Calvin Johnson, amazing tester. Well, guess what? We saw some things on tape from Georgia Tech that showed me that Calvin Johnson's amazing football player. So what it comes down to for me is Pat, the front seven, and then betting on athleticism. In the defensive backfield. I'll give you a great example. I loved Tyreek Woolen coming out. That was a hit. I also love this guy, Zion McCollum, who's just okay for Tampa Bay. Both of them have the measurables, both of them have the athleticism. And you kind of have to, if you're, if you're after the first round, you're kind of throwing darts at the board anyway. Um, but Leo Chanel is a guy I loved, Fred Warner's a guy I loved, um, just because of their athleticism. But the where it really matters is defensive line. You cannot be an unathletic defensive lineman. Um, and again, like one of the biggest freaks of the last decade was Miles Garrett. JJ Watt was a freak. Well, guess what? We saw some things on film that suggested they might be they might be really athletic. Um, so I think it's great context working out. Um, but we have a bunch of different ways to contextualize that now with analytics and all that stuff to figure that out. So. I still think it's really useful. It's kind of a convention for everybody in football as well, which I think is important. Um, But my journey is going from not caring about the combine to caring about it too much to caring about it, what I would say is just right. So that's what I watch. Athleticism thresholds being crossed. As long as you're above it and you have great tape, you can play in the NFL. If you're below it, you have to figure out why. Um, I don't take non-athletes in my hypothetical team. Um, unless they're, you know, Orlando Brown, you know, offensive lineman type guys. Um, that's, that's a That's a different deal. I'd rather have Orlando Brown than Andre Dillard. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Renner. All right, Mike Renner. He is in my hometown of Orlando, Florida. He's playing golf this week, but he's also previewing the combine. What's going on, brother?
1: Not too much, dude. Just been got a lot of time in my hands. So thanks for asking me to come on, dude.
0: Yeah, well so um, this is draft season. The combine starts what, 5 days from now? Something like that? Uh, I know I know yeah, some like, of the some of the GMs like Monday, start but, talking.
1: Yeah, they don't like work out till like Thursday or something. So.
0: It's a, it's a slow rollout. Um yeah. I we've both been doing this for for kind of a while. Has the combine gotten more useful because of analytics? Less useful because some guys don't do drills? Like how would you contextualize what the combine is to you in in the modern sport?
1: I think it's gotten less useful one because we get more information elsewhere in terms of like GPS numbers, uh, other testing, that sort of thing. And two, because they're so controlled now, I feel like these players by their agents, it used to be, you showed up to Indy and you did everything no matter who you were. If you were like a reasonable prospect, you did it all. Now it's like, I know my three cone is below the fiftieth percentile, so I yep. don't do that drill, and I save it for my pro day. And then if it's still not good, I come up with the hamstring in my pro day, and then you just never <laughs> see it. So you truly like people. It's it's such a manicured process yeah. now for a lot of these prospects. So it's just you know I, that's that's why I do think when a guy really does test poorly, it yeah. kind of matters because it's like well <laughs> they they we either they're getting bad advice from people. Or they're really not uh, the athlete we thought they were. So, uh, but I do think that overall, you're just not getting as good information anymore.
0: So. I remember I knew we were cooked when it was a big deal in Blake Bortles through in 2014. And I was like, Oh Lord, if it's a big deal that Blake Bortles is throwing, like the combine is, is not going to yeah. be a serious kind of event for long. Hey, Bortles is a gamer. He was a gamer. <laughs> the Jaguars loved it. The Jaguars loved it. Um, all right, so let's get through Like my feeling, I did my intro on this. My feeling is we have more ways to contextualize it, but Again, the GPS thing cannot be understated. Also, teams uh, teams get that information, whether that's via legitimate or not. Like, I remember the senior bowl had some of that, that GPS data, but I know uh, one GM told me something about a safety a couple of years ago who came out and he was like, Hey, you know, he tested well, but I think we play, he plays slow. They called the school. They said, Can you send me some of his just baseline GPS stuff? And he did play slow. And so it's like, Okay, well, would you rather have the 40 time, or would you rather have the school? Uh, I, keep, I keep almost saying the school, and I don't want to do it. Um, would you rather have the school Just uh, say, hey, like, he actually, this is, this is it, and, and and this is his speed, and the, the five other DBs you can comp him against were all faster, um, you know, on, on a dead sprint. So that's that, to me, is why... It's still useful and we can still figure out requisite athleticism. We also understand the positional value. Like defensive linemen to me have to test well in some way. You cannot be an unathletic defensive lineman. Even if you're massive, you have to show me something. Wide receivers, obviously, there's going to be some speed thresholds. Um, but on the other side, like I am completely against offensive lineman athleticism. Sorry, I saw Andre <laughs> Dillard play. I saw Andre Dillard play. I, I, I was all in on him because it was what it was three cone or something. And I was, I the forget what shuttle. it was short shuttle. Oh my God, Andre Dillard. Look at this. Look at the next Lane Johnson. Yeah, it, a lot of people thought so. Meanwhile, turns out he can't play. You know the other guy, um, Jason Spriggs, if you remember him. Oh, he was, the, he was, he was one of the guys. King. He, combine King. I'm like, you, you sell it all. And listen, there are guys that I have hit on. Because just off their athletic testing, just off it, Fred Warner, Alvin Kamara, um, I'm Christian, Christian Watson, Leo Chanel, like guy, guys like that, where just like, okay, this looks good, let's, let's, let's start hyping these guys up. But then there's enough guys, especially in the offensive side of the ball, where I'm just like, oh, this doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, you have to, to me, I'd always, when you hear combine risers, fallers, it's such a personal thing, because it's yeah. like, if I think a guy's a bad athlete on tape, and then he tests better. It's like, okay, well, like, is he, is he that, what I saw on tape, or is he what he has at the combine? So it's – if you think the guy that I saw and saw was a bad athlete on tape and you thought he was a good athlete on tape, though, and he tested well, it's like, well, then he wouldn't be a riser for you. You already thought he was a good athlete. So it is such to me when you hear these, like, risers and fallers. And so what your preconceived notion of this guy's athleticism was based off of what you've seen from already, just because a guy goes there, and if you haven't watched him a bit and tests well, doesn't necessarily mean he's a riser, uh, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And what's funny is like Bruce Feldman, and I brought this up because then what we're doing is combine, combine freak preview. Basically, Bruce Feldman does his freaks list that's sourced to weight, weight rooms and, and you know, assistant coaches telling them, hey, this guy, you know, did his crazy testing. And he's always right. There's never a guy who, like, you can get that information in so many different ways. And how about risers and followers, like, we, we know who the freaks are. Right. And like and, and looking at Bruce Feldman's list, it's like Marvin Harrison Jr. is second. Like, no one, I promise you, needs to see Marvin Harris's te- Marvin <laughs> Harrison's testing next yeah. week. Chris Jenkins is a good example. Michigan Defensive Tackle was on the list last year. Um, Chop Robinson a couple other guys like that. But it's like, I, I just I, I think that that it has In a lot of ways, as I said, it's it's gotten contextualized more. But on the other hand, it is a relic of of 30 years ago. Having said that, it's still a good place to get info. It's still a good place to 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 confirm your priors. We're gonna do your top five combine freak watch, guys. You have the floor, Mike Renner. Who's your first?
1: I'm gonna go with Malik Neighbors first. Oh, baby, wide receiver, because. there's a thing about him and it's not going to show up in the combine testing that I really like, I haven't quite seen a guy that has what he has athletically at his size. The guys that move the way he does are, you know, like Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. They're, they're five, eight, one They're way smaller than he is, but his ability to stop and start at that size. And that's the thing that I think it's overrated when, you hear combine 40s or not overrated, yep. but not talked about is that when a guy is super fast, yes, that helps that wide receiver, but to make that effective and make it work on a football field, you have to be able to stop because what's being super fast does is gives you a cushion and how to take advantage of that cushion is to be able to effectively run hitch routes, comebacks, that sort of thing. And the guys that really can't do that, well, then you just stay way off. The guys know they're going to run a hitch route because it takes them three to four yards stop. And then they just jump those routes. So. That's why a lot of these 4-3, four, four, wide receivers get overdrafted and then don't do a lick in the NFL is because the NFL corners are pretty darn fast too. So, but with Malik Neighbors, he's not only 4-3 type of fast, but he's 4-3 type of fast to a complete stop in like one to two yards. And, it, and it's yeah. wild to watch that guy just move on a football field. So I don't know what his testing numbers exactly will be, but I expect just across the board – He's going to hit, you know, ninety plus percentile in pretty much every drill imaginable.
0: Wide receiver three for most people at this point.
1: I have a wide receiver too. I, I just Ooh. because I think Rome and Marvin are one type yeah. of wide receiver. Roma and Dante, the Washington uh, wide receiver, obviously they are your prototypes kind of. But neighbors is what's winning today. You know, I think mm-hmm. everyone's looking for. The Jalen Waddle and the Tyree Kill in yeah. their offense. Everyone's looking for just dynamism however they can find it. Because how I like to say it is Roma They can give you 40 yard touchdowns, Malik Neighbors can give you 70 yard touchdowns. Oh. And everyone's looking for the 70 yarders nowadays.
0: Cut the middleman out. We don't need to get these 30 yards, we don't need to get an extra 30 yards. We can get the 70-yard yeah. touchdown. Um that's fascinating. Um I guess like you mentioned, I saw you saw on Twitter, I said on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that there could be, it could be a clean sweep of offense in the top 10 this year. Is that just like a coincidence? Is that, because Jordan Reed said something somewhere on the show a couple of weeks ago. Is that just a bunch of good receivers, a bunch of good tackles, a bunch of good quarterbacks, or is that maybe even more of a philosophical shift in the league? And also I would say that there's no dominant pass rusher this year, which would be a lock for the top five. if If that, if one
1: existed, I think it's, more a philosophical shift of high school offenses, honestly. And, and I do think it's a trend because 2021 was, is the record. 2021 had seven first round straight offensive players. And no one, I think before that even had five. So like it, you go back through old drafts and there's like, you'd be hard pressed to get like three straight offensive players start the draft. But I think it's because you start playing high school football now, and you're one of the best athletes at your school. They throw the ball around the yard. And Mm so, what do you want to do? Do you want to play cornerback and try to stop these guys, or do you want to be the one scoring those touchdowns? Do you want to be the one throwing those touchdowns? I think everyone wants to be the stars. You know, no one cares about the guy who's locking down one side of the field that no one's targeting at corner. So, all your best athletes are getting attracted to wide receiver and quarterback, and that's why you know three wide receivers are probably going to go like top eight picks in this draft, and three quarterbacks are probably going to go top eight picks in this draft. So, I think it's more that than it is. a NFL coveting offense. If there were like high end defensive, you know, players in this draft, the NFL would probably be gravitating gravitating towards them just as much.
0: It's interesting because I remember talking to a coach. It was actually Andrew Lux coach about high school coach, about a decade ago. And he was saying, think, think about seven on sevens, which if you're a defensive end, can't really play seven on sevens, which is all they yeah. do for eight months out of the year in Texas and Florida and California and Louisiana. And I said, who's getting better? Uh, cornerbacks who want to play tight man coverage and wide receivers who can throw the ball around and quarterbacks who are throwing into these tight windows. What positions? I'm mean, like, you think about it, like wide receivers have exploded. And I, th- I, p- I think part of it is because they're playing eight months out of the year. Quarterbacks are getting better because they're playing eight months out of the year. It's really hard for a linebacker to do anything in in those situations. Really hard for an instinctual safety to get better for those months out of the year. So it's really interesting that you brought that up. I hadn't thought about that in in a while, but I I, I really do love, um, love that theory. More with Mike after this. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana. Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Um, all right, combine freak number two.
1: I'm going to go with Chop Robinson, the Penn State defensive end. That's it. That's he number was,
0: nine on Bruce Feldman's freak list, and he's now number two. He's, he's, he's graduated.
1: So he's, to me, there's – right now he's not a great football player. Like You watch him in some games and – you know, he doesn't have too many pass rushing moves. He's not, he's not particularly physical, even though, you know, 6'3", 254 is not bad size by any means for a defensive end. But there is, I feel like there's a path to success of if you're just that caliber of freaky as a pass rusher. Yep. And now in college, you can win as an undersized rusher by just making offensive tackles miss. Like that's, mm-hmm. there, there's the athletic difference. And a lot of the undersized guys from college, that's why they don't translate to the NFL is because they get more athletic you can't just run around them to <laughs> uh, to simplify it. Yeah. But when you get to a certain level though, and I think we see it with Micah Parsons and what he's doing, a lot of times it's just, he's kind of running around guys. And now he like swats hands away at times, uh, you know, like guys still get their hands on him, but he's basically just out-athleting tackles for the vast majority of his high-end pass rushing wins and at least early on in his career was. And so, with Trav Robinson, I think he's kind of close to that tier of just man. He might be able to against certain tackles, just go to town on them because he's not only one explosive up the football field. And on Feldman's freaks list, it said he ran a four four seven, and I, yeah, I fully that. believe it. Watching him play, but he also can duck inside his lateral agility to sell that upfield rush and then come back and counter inside is really unlike any other prospect in this draft. It's really not even close. He is the best athlete and the edge in this class. So it doesn't take a lot when you're that freaky. So I'm very excited to see just like the caliber that he is because I put him in a pretty lofty tier. Now he does need to improve in a lot of different ways. But again, I do think there's a path to where, you know, one to two pass rushing moves that he's consistent with. And the guy could be a nightmare.
0: I completely agree. Who's the last ultra athletic edge who just straight up busted?
1: That's a good question. Who just never? I just feel like I mean, there's
0: always you can coach them into having success.
1: I mean, Like Deion Jordan was billed as that. Oh but yeah, then I yeah, remember yeah. his combine no. was not no. that right. Like he ended up that not was just having a weird that.
0: year. Everybody got overrated because there was there mm-hmm. were just, there were no good players.
1: Quid, Quiddy Pay, I don't think like was a mm. bust, but he hasn't quite lived up to maybe his freak status in the NFL. Even uh, even a bit like I I go to the. Penn State, Dafe Owe was almost yep. a very similar guy where it's like, oh, he's just an athlete coming out. This past year, he was actually yep. like a productive edge, year three. So, yeah, I, I do think that's one position where you just bet on the athletes. They yeah, uh, one more, more often 100%. than not come around.
0: Yeah. And, and if you can't get them somewhere, you have bad coaching – or they just literally just don't love football. We, like, and when I say they don't love football, there's guys who actually don't like football who become amazing football players. I mean, like they just don't want to practice. Like that—that that would be yeah. the only way. Like who was that guy? Do you Remember the, the the Stanford tight end Castile? Remember this guy? Uh, he was on Hard Knocks. He got he got re- so he he was an at ultra athletic tight end. I might be pronouncing his name wrong. Devin Castile, I think something like that. Oh, so okay. I, yeah, yeah. I I loved him because of his testing from Stanford. Good-juiced? The whole deal. Good juice. Yeah. Sorry. And, okay. um, and, and, uh, he, he busted obviously. And then he retired. And then in his retirement, he's like, I really want to get into crystals, like selling crystals. Oh, the crystals so to be yeah. a crystal guy. And so I was like, okay, well, I wish I had known he was a crystal guy <laughs> because one of my things is like, you know, okay. It, 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 well, why is he busting? Even again, even guys who hate football do it. Oh, he wants to be a crystal
1: guy so maybe
0: that's the red flag maybe that's it, we always it, up with these red flags those, that's the red flag you want to retire or be a crystal guy
1: you give those questionnaires in the interviews and they always have are you a crystal guy is one of the questions
0: yeah number have. one question in combine <laughs> that, that should replace the s2 test it's yeah it's just guy.
1: it's like what do you think of this it's just a crystal and it's like what are your thoughts on this and if it's yeah. like anything other than what the hell is that I don't I don't What's know what problem? this is
0: and if and if it's it's really a problem if he says I want to retire early to focus on this yeah. full time um all right number 3
1: number 3 I'm going to go JC Latham as my Ooh. third one here the Alabama offensive yeah. tackle who for different reasons we're talking about you know the first two guys athlete freak athletes this guy is the strongest offensive lineman in the draft and truly one of the strongest offensive linemen I've seen from a college prospect And not only just strong, he is the thickestly built offensive lineman I've seen in a long time. He's 6'6", 359, and it's just because everything about him is massive. I look at the rear view of the All-22 of the Alabama offensive line, and his arms like stick out on tape as just a... Completely different size from everyone else. And they're not like fat. It's not like he's holding, they are just completely muscle wrapped on top of massive bones. He has hands that are, I'm excited to see how, what like actual size they are. But on tape, like you see, usually you don't see a guy's like hands in shoulder pads. You see them on tape. And then he has reps as a run blocker that are just straight out of the blind side where he's just running with guys down the football field that he engages at the line of scrimmage and just, Overpowers And then like when he gets a pancake block, he, goes, he loses his mind. The guy's just screaming. You can like see him just flexing. So for all those reasons, I'm a fan. I, I think J- Cole Kublik tweeted out that he benched 505 pounds twice for two reps, and he squatted 900 pounds with resistance bands on. So I think the bench record could be in play with J.C. Latham if he really uh, wants to go for it. Who
0: has the bench record now?
1: I think it's still Stephen P., I think it's still 49. There's been like multiple guys since then. When did he come out? He came out like 11 or 12. The Oregon State, they even got drafted by the Yeah. Bears. yeah. There's been like a bunch of guys since then who have been like, "Oh, I did it, you know, in at in practicing in the lead up yeah, and yeah. then no one's ever really touched it, but uh It's like the – It's like the,
0: it. Do you remember Urban Meyer's 40-time board? This no. is like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So, the Times did a story about the Gators. New York Times did a story about the Gators okay. and their like strength pro- program during like the Percy Harvin era, and they took a photo of the uh, like the record board. Okay, and it was all at the current Gators. Is like you know you know that crew is um, uh, Chris Rainey, uh, Brandon James, um, uh, Harvin obviously, like Ingram, I, a bunch of these guys, right? And like eight of them would have set the combine record. For like <laughs> speed They all ran like 4.19 It's like okay guys Alright guys let's relax here yeah. and it's like The entire board was like guys who would be like <laughs> The third overall pick And it's like guys who weren't even seeing the field And it's like I'm not really sure what's happening here in this gym But I think I, I think we might be inflated The numbers here a little bit Do not trust those sort of times That's the one thing when we're talking yeah. about GPS data Trust the GPS data Not Urban Meyer's Iron Gator board <laughs>
1: Percy Harvin, I actually, being down here in Orlando, I worked out next to him at the LA Fitness here, him and Devin Hester, but this was like three years after they had both retired. It was almost like kind of sad. Oh my God. It seemed like they were training to still like get in the league. And I was like, oh man, They're, they were past their prime.
0: How fast were they?
1: They were, they were just lifting at the LA Fitness, but like doing uh, like real explosive lifts, like trying to, no, no but speed uh, they, work. neither of them looked like they were in great shape, unfortunately.
0: Um... All right. Do your next one while I look for the uh, Urban Myers Iron Gator board.
1: My next one, I'm going to go with Joe Milton, the Tennessee quarterback, as my next one for two different reasons here. One, he may have the strongest arm of any quarterback, playing quarterback anywhere right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the throws, he, he's made more throws 60 plus yards downfield than any quarterback I've ever seen. He had. Two completions against, had a completion against Missouri and a completion against Vanderbilt last year where he's at his own 30, or excuse me, his own 40, no, his own 30, and he puts it inside the 10 yard line on the opposite, from the opposite hash, completes it. He had a throw this year against Kentucky where he's at his own 20 and he puts it to the opposite 13. I did a little back of a napkin Pythagorean theorem. Mm Seventy-three yards that throw was overthrew a guy who was sixty-five yards down the football field. I I I watch him throw and I was just like, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't. He doesn't even like stride into this. It's just he just flicks it. And he even said in the interview, he said, if I think about it and try to throw hard, it, it like comes out wrong. I just have to not think when I throw deep, and that's when it goes fast. So he may break the combine. G- or, no, I was gonna say GPS mile per hour record. I think sixty-two miles per hour is the record. Josh Allen, Dorian Thompson Robinson tied. Which I don't know how Dorian Thompson Robinson got there, but <laughs> he could he could break that. He has an absolute hose. But then the second part is he ran twenty-one point three miles per hour on the GPS. Mm-hmm. This guy's six-five-two thirty-five and can fly. I think that I know we've seen a lot of him at quarterback and know that while his arm's awesome. He is very inaccurate as well. I think he could be a nasty tight end in the NFL because I watch him lower his shoulder. He runs hard. He runs fast. He can break Mm -hmm. tackles. Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, obviously he's going to get a shot at quarterback. But a lot of guys, uh, you know, Logan Thomas being most recent, have started out a QB. It didn't work out. Freak athlete. Give him a shot, dude. I think he could do it.
0: Is there a path? You mentioned, obviously, he's got a place in the league, we think. Let's stick a quarterback Mm -hmm. two years away. Does he need, does he need to just like kind of be in a program? I mean, like it'd be really hard because you couldn't really be a backup. Teams don't really do third quarterbacks anymore for, for any period of time. Like it's a tough road to hell and you don't get a lot of reps anymore. Like it's a pretty tough time to be a developmental quarterback unless someone really believes in you.
1: It is. And it's also like, he's been called this developmental quarterback. He's six years in college football, right? Right, right, right. Between Michigan and Tennessee. And he's also coming from an offense at Tennessee that's not doing him any favors from what he's going to be prepared for in terms of handling an NFL playbook. So he's really behind the eight ball for a lot of reasons in that regard. So, you know, when you have that high end of tools, someone will give you a chance. But it wouldn't surprise me if, like, we're talking – what was it? Felipe Franks was a tight end by the end of his rookie year. I think we could see a similar transition from him.
0: Felipe Franks. Uh, he, yeah, and those, Kaderis, uh, T- he and Kadarius Tony played a game against Miami that I think about Quite a bit. Tony had us in hell, and I thought Tony was amazing. And it turns out Manny Diaz just didn't know what he was doing. Classic. <laughs> then Frank's threw some interceptions there. That was like have you ever seen the Steve Spurrier meme where he's like looking like oh my god. That that's from that that game with some of the throws Felipe oh. Frank's made. Um, is there are there any other um, intriguing? Like we saw Hendon Hooker drafted last year, kind of a stash and develop guy. Obviously he was injured from Detroit. Are there any intriguing quarterbacks? Uh, aside from, from Milton to you, where you're just like, huh, this guy could be an interesting kind of day three type of pick.
1: Oh, I think Spencer Rattler, South Carolina mm. quarterback, fits that bill. He's, you know, high end tools. If you were going back to what was it? I guess it would have been 2021. Yep. Way too early mocks. He was in the first round because after his first year starting at Oklahoma, redshirt freshman year, he'd put up numbers. And Oklahoma yep. was just kind of the pipeline then. It was Baker to Kyler to Jalen Hurts. And then you just thought he was the next one because he was highly recruited, had all the tools, but, you know, had to humble himself, got benched for Caleb Williams, no real shame in that. But then, you know, never really uh, turned things around completely in South Carolina, but definitely turned things around from like a maturity aspect at this point in time. And so with that amount of tools, and if he's going to put in the work, I think there's reason to believe that you would take that guy in day three and bet on what his upside could be.
0: The league likes – this was – I have not asked anybody about Rattler in the last month because I've I've been busy. I have not checked in. I have not been like, hold everything. At the halftime of the <laughs> Super Bowl, I'm just going to start calling scouting directors. Like, What's up with the Rattler? No, no, but you BS with, with GMs and scouts and decision makers during the season. They liked his potential more than I did. I guess that's the way I would put it. They liked him more than I did. Um, and – I think it was a couple of people have said basically at Oklahoma, he, lo- he obviously lost his job to Caleb Williams. No shame in that looking back on it. But then I, I think I forget who said it, but it was someone close to him publicly said this on a podcast that he liked the being a quarterback more than playing quarterback early in his career. And I think that that's kind of balanced out a little bit. All right, drum roll, please. Last one.
1: Last one. We are going with Quinion Mitchell, the Toledo cornerback. Mm.
0: For, people are falling bo- in love with this dude,
1: and it's because I've talked about you know high end athletes. I talked about high end strength guys. He's both, man. This guy. Why people are falling in love with him is because not only is because he's you know a four three high end GPS numbers dude, high end speed, but he might be you know pound for pound one of the strongest cornerbacks I've ever seen. You watch, it, you know, and, and the, on tape in the MAC, it's like okay, he's beaten up. Mac wide receivers. What's what's all that about? That's, what's that going to do to NFL wide receivers? But then he goes to the Senior Bowl, and like he just had his way with guys who are going to be in the league next year that he's going to be going up against. And the thing that just like amazes me watching his tape is that when wide receivers contact him, they fall down. They they are the ones that bounce off of him. He, he like he doesn't give an inch when guys try to run through him. Mm-hmm. He's just so solidly built and has such good balance that in that kind of contact battle, it almost reminds me of like the defensive version of Jamar chase and that Jamar chase, like what makes him so special is that he's just stronger and he's not like bigger, you know, Anquan Bolden is obviously bigger and stronger. And you can see that Jamar chase is just like, he just is stronger somehow. He's only 200 pounds. Just is stronger. That's how I feel watching Quinn Mitchell. He just, he might be the same size as you, but he's so much stronger than you are playing defense. I, I love that.
0: That's a great, that's a great comp. Offensive Jamar or defensive Jamar chase. Um, I, like where does he go? Because I Daniel Jeremiah was talking about him up the other day, and he said he was telling Bucky and those guys, like, look out for this kid. He's rising. And like, w- listen, we were talking earlier. Oftentimes, the concept of risers, especially this this late in the process, it, it's it's a misnomer. But like, you can rise if you have senior bowl performances like that, combine and all that stuff. The funny thing to me is always like two days out from the draft is the report like this guy's flying up <laughs> draft boards no he's not do you remember the ryan nassib week remember that yes. ryan nassib was flying up draft boards oh on like my tuesday God. and then then the, then he was like a fifth round pick and he's out of the league now yeah. he's doing something oh now is he coach 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 or something like that anyway not uh, sure. not, not not a ryan nassib pod um uh but where, where does where does he end up uh in in three months
1: I think he ends up going top 20. And the two teams I keep going back to with him that make a lot of sense, one Colts, corner need, Ballard loves athletes. You know, he pretty much defensively only drafts guys with high-end traits. And then the Jags, the Jags like corner need, Trent Balky loves physical freaks as well. So those two teams, if he falls past them at this point, obviously assuming that combine goes as we all expect, I think mm-hmm. that'd be surprising if he fell past those two.
0: Hmm, that is uh, it's as intriguing a prospect as there is in this draft. Um, we'll get you out of here on some rapid fire. Who's your draft crush? Like, who's the guy where you're just totally out on an island right now?
1: Um, the guy I don't know if he's the guy I keep going back to. I'm not saying I'm super high in him, but Sione Vaki, the Utah safety, Hmm. is hilarious to watch, and for a few different reasons. One is because he's not only safety, but he's also a running back. Um, he, he played moonlighted at running back despite being a full-time safety and he had like 150 yards against cal on like eight carries or something he had like 150 receiving yards against usc so he's insane as a running back if you wanted to switch to running back he could do that his <laughs> high school coach actually dm'd me after i tweeted Ooh. about him and said his best position slot wide receiver oh my god so he's not only a safety and a running back but apparently his best position is slot wide receiver and he took some reps at slot wide receiver and at the senior ball. and he can catch and like, he can run routes. Um, and then he also is extremely fast. Like his over 22 miles per hour on the GPS. He's like the guy can fly in a straight line. So I, uh, I don't know what he does. Cause he only played two years of college football. He took more admission than only played two years. So he's also weird in that regard and that he just barely has played. I, there's not a lot of guys I can ever remember who only were in college two years. Um, mm-hmm. So, That's the guy I keep going back to just being like, I am excited to see what his career is. Not say that I would draft him top 50 or anything, but the guy's just an athlete and a football player.
0: Love that. All right, Mike Renner, enjoy Orlando. Enjoy uh, all the the warmth that comes along with my hometown, and we'll see you soon, buddy.
1: For sure, Kim. Thanks for having me on, buddy.